Welcome to the Katie and Me podcast. I'm Katie, and I'm here with my buddy and podcasting partner and person that I spend so much time talking to, Chris Hutchinson. How are you today, Chris? Good, Katie. How are you? I'm doing all right. It's a lovely Sunday here in Fishers, Indiana. I'm excited to talk to you a little bit today. Yes. Oh, my gosh. We're past the zero degree weather. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's been brutal lately, but uh, hopefully spring is on the way. And with spring comes kids being more outside and preteen kids enjoying being out and about. So I'm going to talk to you today about being a dad of a preteen daughter. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to try and uh, keep this as kind of innocuous as possible. But obviously, I am the father of a preteen daughter. She will be 13 here in a few months, but is essentially 12 going on 25. And it's been it's been awesome. 12 years has been great. I'm super excited to be the dad of a, of a daughter, but it comes with some challenges. Obviously, I'm not a girl. And so um, there's already immediately some wrinkles to raising something that you don't know really <laughs> you anything don't about. understand. Yeah. And clearly, those that know me know that I was such an incredible dork growing up that it wasn't like I had much interaction with girls, particularly in the junior high, early high school range anyway. So, oh my gosh, my blood pressure is going up just knowing what you're talking about now. <laughs> <laughs> so, so who brought us today's episode? We have a sponsor today. Yeah, so we have a new partner. It is Audible. Audible is the leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audiobooks, ranging from bestsellers to celebrity memoirs, news, business, and self-development. And Katie, something pretty cool about Audible that I don't know if you knew or not, but did you know that Audible's collection is so large that if you listen to every title on Audible, you'd be listening straight for more than three centuries? I did not know that, but if you look at my Audible playlist, I could get close. I know. You sent me your playlist just to kind of say, hey, here's some books that I'm currently reading. And I had to scroll like three times. I don't know. I could barely read one book at a time and probably don't. And you're reading like 25 at a time, which is pretty cool. No, I'm only reading three at a time, I promise. Oh, okay. Yeah. You just have a list that's I just have like all ungodly of long. Sure. <laughs> so for those of you that enjoy reading as much as Katie does, we would love for you to go and get a free trial from Audible. And to do that, you visit audibletrial.com slash Katie and me podcast. So that's audible, A-U-D-I-B-L-E trial, T-R-I-A-L.com slash Katie and me podcast. And Katie is always spelled K-A-T-Y. So thank you to Audible for being a show partner. So back to being the dad of a preteen daughter. The first rule that anyone needs to realize is that Admitting when you're wrong is is a necessity. Mm -hmm. So, and that probably goes for raising kids in general. But what I've learned as being the you know the alpha male in a house with just my daughter and wife, alpha male because I'm the only male. But <laughs> be that as it may, you need to be able to admit when you're wrong, particular to your daughter. So you need to kind of model behavior to her that when you make a mistake or mm -hmm. when you screw up, that you need to be the first one and immediately make that apology and, mm -hmm. and admit that you're, that you're wrong. With that, it can be very humbling and challenging. 
Uh, I'm pretty stubborn. I was raised in a very competitive household. No one really liked admitting that they were wrong. And so that was that was a challenge for me. Yeah, uh, it, it's it's been a challenge that I've worked on with my wife, but then when you add in this, you know, little tinier person, <laughs> it's very easy to sometimes like, well, she's a kid. I don't have to admit that I'm wrong. Right. And and in fact, you really do. It's it's really necessary to kind of build that transparent and honest relationship, particularly I think with fathers and daughters. You know, you're the first male that they hopefully look up to and have, you know, a deep relationship with. And so you're trying to demonstrate to them that whatever they choose, hopefully that the men that they deal with in their life are willing to admit when they make a mistake and are, you know, hopefully being honest. And when you make an honest mistake that you're willing to to come forward and claim that. That all being said, I think what has happened with having these incredibly transparent conversations, it's allowed us to have the benefit of having a daughter who is extremely transparent with us. Um, oh, that's great. So she shares everything. Um, okay. I will say that that's she, scary. Sh- yeah, uh, <laughs> and maybe in the um, the VIP podcast, I'll talk a little bit more about that. But for this one, I'll, I'll try and keep it PG thirteen. So she does. She really shares everything with us. I would say that she shares most everything uh, more with my wife, but she has had some, you know what I would call deep conversations with me and knows that she can have them. And there are times where I'm reminding her, Hey, is any of this happening? Is this going on? She has a, she has a boyfriend now. And so when I'll pick and choose times and be like, Hey, do you have any questions about this? Or how are you feeling about this? And sometimes she's like, dad, I don't want to talk about that. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. And other times she's like, well, you know, this kind of happened and this is what I was feeling. And, you know, has that ever happened to you? And, you know, if you had told me 12 years ago that I'd be having these conversations, I'd be doing every stereotypical male thing and be like, oh, no, I don't want to hear it. Plug my ears, yada, yada, yada. I don't want to talk about my daughter like that. But it's a success that but sometimes it really she is. does respond. Yeah. yeah. And, and I actually look forward to those opportunities to have those conversations with her, even though there are sometimes things that I'm like – man, I never thought I'd be having to talk about this or that. So it is really cool that she has that trust and that transparency with us. Um, but it's taken a lot of work. It's taken a lot of um, me having to admit mistakes. It's taken um, with adult relationships. Sometimes when I'm wrong, I may wait 24 hours to admit it with my <laughs> spouse or friend. You can't when you have a 12-year-old. I mean, everything is so instant. They live in the now. They live in the immediacy. And you have to – you got to come correct immediately. And mm-hmm. you're like, you know what? Dad screwed up. I was wrong. Here's why I was wrong. You got to model it. So you, do. you have to think about, like, how do I want her to respond? Yes. Okay, now I have to do that. That's been a hard thing for me in parenting too. Yeah. yeah. And, and then you mix in, you know – our daughter struggles with ADHD, and again, she probably gets some of that honestly from me. I've never been diagnosed, but you know, I probably have some of those same characteristics. So when you add all that in, it's just really important that you deal in the now so that it doesn't develop into something that becomes like a really big wedge. Mm-hmm. Um, now, one thing I wasn't really prepared for was having to deal with social media. Um, oh, and, yeah. you know, we, I think we do a pretty good job. We follow our daughter on TikTok. We follow her on Instagram. Again, my wife more than me, but mm-hmm. my wife is actually friends with all of 
our daughter's friends, oh, like through those social media idea. things as well. Um, oh, but I to kind of paint a picture for you, you know, TikTok is the new Instagram. They're little short video clips. And every kid that has ever been in our house, they've all done them. They all have their own TikTok channels, et cetera. So my daughter probably does 10 to 20 TikTok videos a day-ish. Oh, wow. I mean, give or take. I mean, it varies. But like on a weekend, she's crushing them. She's just doing oh, a million. I've never even seen TikTok. And she has probably 100 or so friends that follow her on TikTok. Well, between all of her videos, she has over 46,000 likes across all the videos that she's made. And I didn't know that. And my wife told me that. And I was like are you shitting me that she has that many? That means like 46,000 people have like viewed this or clicked on it. And of course my wife and daughter are like, yeah, isn't that awesome? And I'm like, no, that scares the bejesus out of <laughs> right. me. Right? Yeah, no, I'm quaking over here. From so there's cool. this fine line of having to have conversations with your daughter about, hey, that's awesome. And it's cool that you found something that you enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. And it's cool, I guess, that you're getting validated by people liking your videos, although we talk about that. But we also remind her every single day that anything that you put out there is out there forever. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there are rules you can't do like certain things on TikTok videos, but we remind her just, you know, the same rules apply for TikTok with if you send someone a picture or if you text somebody, anything you say or put out there Mm -hmm. is out there forever. And it's like you said it to that person directly to their face or that you said or did it in front of the entire school. Right. And she's like, I know, Dad, I know, I know, yeah, I get but, it. But harp on but it, we right? But we do. We have be to. buried in that head. She probably gets a little bit annoyed about it, but I think she also feels some appreciation that that we do care about her and we are trying to protect her and that we, we do have her back. But 46,000 likes, for crying out loud, we can't get that many for our podcast. <laughs> Well, until this week, right? Until now, yeah. Um, But so, I mean, all of that. I just kind of threw it all in there as a hodgepodge. But it is very challenging. It's also incredibly rewarding. But I guess the action item that I would leave you with on this topic is: first of all, hug your kids as Mm -hmm. much as you can, Uh, and second, be transparent and have honest conversations with them. And even if you haven't to this point, it's never too late to start. Kids are thirsty for that that outlet, that that feeling of connection with their parents. And, you know, every kid maybe has different relationships with their mom or their dad, but both parents need to have some type of transparent interaction with their kids on mm-hmm. a regular basis. My daughter and wife spend an or- inordinate amount of time together. It's almost like they're siblings. They get along mm-hmm. so well. They're like two peas in a pod. I've noticed they do get yeah. along and, really and, well. You know, they they, they enjoy the same things. Yeah. But, it you know, my daughter and I will do – we may spend 15 minutes together, like making a stupid TikTok video, mm-hmm. but she thinks it's hilarious. And, you know, so, I mean, we find our own ways to kind of like be involved in each other's lives. Uh, and I just think it's it's really important. So if you don't already have that transparency with your kids, I highly recommend that you start doing it and, and you lead it by coming clean on some things that you've done wrong or mistakes that you've made recently as a parent. 
it makes it easier then to kind of share with them the mistakes you made when you were their age. But by giving them examples of the mistakes that you've made in real world that they've seen in owning up to that, it then gives you a lot more credibility to go to them and say, when I was your age, here's some of the mistakes I made. Because if you lead with that, they're going to tune you out. But if you're like, hey, remember when dad swore in the car yesterday because that guy cut him off? Dad was wrong there and he probably should have done this instead. If you give them that kind of real world example, mm -hmm. you'll be amazed at how quickly they, they react to it. That's just some things that I want to share with you on being a dad of a preteen daughter. <laughs> and uh, we can maybe talk a little bit more about that in the VIP episode. But, I appreciate uh, the heads up because my daughter is just a little behind yours. Yeah. Right? So, so. It'll, it'll be fun. <laughs> Get ready. Yeah, I am. <laughs> but I you am. already have a good relationship with your daughter, but we're, you're going to need to continue We're trying that. to maintain that. Yeah. We're, we're working on the transparency and I don't shy away from using the kind of language, like you said, va it validates to mm -hmm. get the likes on social media. I don't shy away from using that kind of language with her because I want her to see it for what it is. Sure. Right? Yeah. Awesome. I appreciate it. Yeah, no. And uh, you're going to talk to us about what today, Katie? I'm going to talk about social signaling. And I actually find there's an overlap. So we'll come back to that. And I'm not talking today about social signaling as like monitoring uh, social media for a business or something. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about in our culture, social signaling. So I'm gonna gotcha. break it down. And again, I love to talk about things that, you know, we all participate in and maybe do it unconsciously because I think it's good sometimes to recognize things and then reassess. Mm -hmm. So everything from the expressions that we wear or give mm -hmm. to our watches, our shoes, our cars, the stickers on our laptops. Mm -hmm. Yeah, see I see my, that you have the I always there, have yeah. my stickers on all my yeah. laptops. These are all social signals. A lot of times we don't think of it. We think, oh, I'm personalizing this, or I just reacted at the store mm -hmm. to that woman who cut me off, or right. whatever it was. What we're doing a lot of the time is we are setting up the boundaries in our society with the cues that we give people with our reactions. Okay. And we're also defining those in groups, out groups. So when it comes to Previous our expression, right, exactly. <laughs> so when it all comes back around, when it comes to our expressions and our behaviors in regard to setting boundaries in our society, when someone behaves rudely and say, you know, you're in line at a store mm -hmm. and someone does something that we have generally agreed is unacceptable, the reaction of the people around should be something that person can pick up on, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And then be appropriately aware of what that means. Mm -hmm. So if everybody around is tisking and giving you dirty looks, you need to reassess what you just did. We all kind of know that, right? But those are social signals. And we do that as a group because we're, we're social beings, right? right? Mm -hmm. We're a social species. And the other thing we do, and this is also part of a, a basic level of safety that we set up as social beings that helps us kind of keep ourselves in line and decide what's acceptable. Okay. Well, then we go over and we establish our in-groups and out-groups somewhat through the signals that we send out. So what we wear and what we project to everyone does things like identify socioeconomic status, mm -hmm. identifies beliefs, and all of these things are what we use to form our social circles, right? Okay. So when you see uh, a car with a sticker on it that is, you know, in some way the messaging from that sticker is somehow abhorrent to you. Mm -hmm. You have a different reaction than if you see one that you agree with. Right. If you, um, you know, it, and this helps us divide people up. It's the stickers on the laptop. It's the watches. I was always told growing up that 
the first thing people of means will do in a business situation is assess the other people based on their watch and shoes. Mm -hmm. And literally my whole life, if I go into a business situation, I have worn my good watch and I have have some very expensive shoes for that purpose because I understood it from a young age as social signaling. It wasn't described as such, but I knew what that meant, right? I am one of you. You should listen to me. There's all this baggage that comes with these things. And so I just thought maybe as kind of an action item, we can all chew on this idea that we're putting out signals through behavior and through material possessions about what we believe, who we are, and what's acceptable. Mm -hmm. And then we bond or reject people based on those signals. So maybe as our action item, we could today kind of notice our social signals, right? And maybe there's a point where you realize the signal you're sending out isn't actually who you want to be perceived as. Mm -hmm. And that would be that big reassessment that I feel like we need to do sometimes. You know what I mean? I I go back and I look at pictures of myself from like high school. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And high school and teenagers, it's all social signaling. It might not even be real, but you think you want to be in that group. And so you wear the right thing. You say the right thing. You join the right club. You do the social media stuff that is appropriate for that crowd. Mm -hmm. It's all social signaling. And I, as a parent, am struggling to navigate their realm, their landscape in this regard. So like, that's how I'm bringing it back around. And I just look at these pictures of myself from when I was in middle school and high school. And I go, oh my gosh. Right? We all go, what were we thinking? Right. Not just with fashion, but like, you know, oh, we were all, you know, goth or I wasn't sure. actually, but we were all whatever, you know, we wore, we wore, um, in my case, co- yeah. Yeah, yeah, grungy yeah. clothes, right? Yeah. I had flannel shirts right. and they were around my waist and, you know, and, but I knew then that my signals changed based on the group I was participating in. So I dressed different at 4-H with my horse than I dressed in high school, than I dressed when I was on a youth group trip, like all of these things. So we all use it. We just don't necessarily call it that and think about it very often. It's, It's all schemas that we've already put into place. So, you know, you look back at those things. Maybe we could do that. Instead of looking back at pictures from 20 some years ago, maybe we could kind of take a look at ourselves today and go, oh, okay, I see what how- What am I putting out there? What am I putting out there? And is it what I want to put out there? So, Do yeah. you think that, and I always bring it back to this, but I, I do think that it plays an impo- important part on it. Do you think that social media has changed or impacted how people socially signal? I do. I think the reach is really- potentially much bigger. So if I if I wear that, if I wear my Birkenstocks mm-hmm. and my hemp <laughs> which I'm wearing right clothes, now. Clothes, <laughs> I would a lot, yeah. But if I if I wear that stuff out, I am gonna see a few people. If I post that on social media, you know, that that would reach a thousand people yeah. and could be amplified by those people. Right. So yeah, the the reach, the instantaneousness, yeah, and the fact that it all sticks around. You know, I go back and I look at pictures that were taken on a 110 camera mm-hmm. that are grainy from middle school or whatever. Now we have to go through and scrub our social media before we go to job interviews. <laughs> you know, there's there's all this there's all this baggage now that's going everywhere with us because it's digital. And I do think the social media. I told you I haven't been on TikTok before. Right. I'm scared of it. The social media landscape ch- is changing so rapidly. You know, so um, there's so many ways or avenues for people to kind of present themselves mm-hmm. or, you know, mm-hmm. present themselves exposed. socially or and yeah. social signals. Uh, and, you know, again, I think my daughter is fully aware of that. And, mm-hmm. you know, she presents herself as 
a soccer player. She presents herself as a cheerleader. She presents herself as uh, someone that that has a boyfriend. And so, like when you look at her TikToks and some of her social media, that's who she's pushing that out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, now she's many other things as well. She's gone to theater camp and she enjoys singing. And so, I mean, some she but she picks and chooses. And I don't know if she does it intentionally, but there there is some. S- some str- strategy, mm-hmm. <laughs> easy there for me to say. There is absolutely so There's strategy. some strategy behind mm-hmm. what she posts and when and who she's with. And I think some of that goes into the greater topic of in-groups and out-groups and, and you know, being accepted and not being accepted, particularly in junior high, which is just a disaster for kids in general. I mean, mm-hmm. whether you're quote-unquote popular or unpopular, it can change and there's just a lot of vitriol that can go along for no apparent reason that's directed at kids. And so I think uh, my my question to you about social media was that it's almost being used as it can be a tool and it can be a weapon. So yeah, you can absolutely. use it to try and enhance your, I guess, social signaling or social status, mm-hmm. but it can also be used as, oh my gosh, look what that kid's wearing. You're so or, much more vulnerable. Yeah. yeah. So it's, yeah, it's, it's a, you know, it's a double-edged sword for sure. But I think your point on social signaling and who people want to be portrayed as, I think it's even more challenging now, or, or to your point, the, the instantness of it mm-hmm. is so immediate that you may not even have meant to kind of present that, but you're right. now you're suddenly being labeled as right. X, Y, or Z. We've all done that. Right. We, we, we may call it putting our foot in our mouth, like, oh, that didn't come out right or whatever it was. And then people go, I think she's kind of believes that, you know? Right. So yeah, there's a lot to, and you know, I've got just people in my life who would never be caught dead having a picture taken without makeup on and hair mm-hmm. done, right? And then I've got people on the other side of the spectrum that would never bother putting it on and they're just very comfortable and they Being project. Natural. Right, right. Yeah. right. And it's, you look at that and I am drawn to those people that don't require all of the enhanced aesthetics because I feel like, wow, that is a deep level of confidence, sure. right? So there's this signal and you do kind of see this, like I, I know who I respect based on that. And just that one thing, like how am I comfortable being seen by everyone is yeah. part of that equation, that social signaling equation. So um, I, I'm really trying to encourage my daughter. I want, my goal is to get my kids to the point where they have a genuine confidence, not arrogance, but a genuine confidence and they don't feel like they have to augment themselves mm-hmm. for the world to see them. That's so. that's awesome. And I think that's a good stopping point for for that topic. Uh, Katie, thanks for sharing that. That's, that's cool. We could probably talk about that for several hours. Yeah, I'm assessing um, myself right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just as a reminder, one of our show partners is Audible. And as a reminder, if you are interested in getting a free 30, uh, 30 books for free in one month, visit audibletrial.com slash Katie and me podcast. Oh, 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 I could probably read 30 books for free. You get one book for free when you do the trial. At oh, Audible. yeah. I was just <laughs> testing to make sure that you were paying attention. I'm paying attention. That's I'm always right. paying attention to Audible. Did a really bad live read there. I'm sorry. That's okay. Yeah. I really I really do love Audible, though. And if you don't use it, just go get the free book. Yeah, you can get the just, free book. Just sign up through through audibletrial.com backslash Katie and me podcast. Katie's K-A-T-Y. Sign up for that. And I hijacked your commercial here, by no, the way. Good job. But um, definitely at least get your free one because I'm telling you, it is still very stimulating for your brain. But you can do it while you drive or while you're gardening or while you're waiting for your kids or whatever. And it is the only way I can knock out books anymore. 
I mean, and, I'm reading paper books, but man, is that slow. Who's right. got time to Who's, sit still? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's not our world. Yeah. I mean, most of our listeners are probably listening to our podcast all the time, but if they want to break it up, Audible, Audible would be nice. Would be a nice switch. Since we don't put out as much content, yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. Uh, with that, uh, we wanted to talk a little bit about hairdressers, and I'm mm-hmm. going to throw in some things from from barbers as well on that. But so yeah, we reached out to some of our hairdresser slash barber friends to kind of better understand what they wish everyone else knew about their jobs. One thing that, that I will say, and I dealt with this recently with the guy, obviously, if you've seen any pictures of me, you know I don't have any hair, but I do have a beard. And so I still go to a barber to have him trim it because he can do it a lot better than I can. Um, and he was kind of in a bad mood and I have a good enough relationship with him. I was like, hey, man, what's up? He's like, man, two people before you canceled and I'm annoyed about it. And we were just talking about the fact that people don't realize that hairdressers and and barbers, they're not a salaried position. (laughs) They don't don't get paid unless, you know, they're doing the service that they offer. And so he, pretty cutting edge, pun intended, uh, he has an app (laughs) where you can actually go on and and book your appointments and things like that. Well, he's now added in there a cancellation fee. So it'll, uh, it'll charge you a cancellation fee if you, you know, don't show up or cancel last minute. Because again, they're not making any money unless they're doing in their art. So that was one thing that he was like, man, I just wish people would better understand that just because your schedule got screwed up doesn't mean that you shouldn't still follow through on your appointment mm-hmm. because I would have filled that with someone else that was going to pay me, you know? And and again, a lot of them are depending on their services to pay bills and everything else. So don't cancel on your hairdressers or your barbers. If you do, um, be prepared to pay yeah, anyway. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that was one thing that, that I heard. Did you reach out to any folks I that you know? I did. I did. And actually, I was kind of excited about this because I recently had my hair done for the first time in a million years, and it was a whole deal. But <laughs> <laughs> maybe in the in the extra episode we'll talk about that (laughs) but um yeah they said that um wearing a ponytail all the time breaks women's hair so you come in and you're like oh it's so fuzzy it's so this so that well you did that to it so you got to own that (laughs) i guess that doesn't happen a lot um they said bring a picture whether it's yeah whether it's like when your hair was the way you like it or it's the cut that you want and in that regard, if you bring in a picture of a supermodel, you need to know I may be able to make your hair look like that, but I can't make your face look like that. So you need to you need to uh, prepare yourself for reality there, I guess. Did someone really say, I can't change your face? Yes. <laughs> yes. And this wasn't like, I, I, I think, you know, they can do your eyebrows, right? Right. But, and that's about it. That's awesome. Um, yeah. Tipping is part of it. Yeah. So you need to, if you can't afford to pay $150, ladies, for your highlights or whatever, and tip, you need to go someplace that isn't going to charge so much right. because that is part of the service. And I guess um, a lot of people, like, basically rent that chair space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so they're paying for it whether you're there or not. And they're paying a lot for those spaces sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have overhead. Right. So sometimes it's a higher retail space issue that affects prices, but they, they're not pocketing all of that money. You need to know it when you pay for your thing. That doesn't like go in their pocket. They work for tips as well. They said, don't be fake and don't tell me whatever. Yeah. Just do whatever. Because <laughs> they said people who think they're laid back by saying that are going to be unhappy. It turns into a much bigger deal. Be very specific and 
with that, I'm going to stop because I screwed up recently. You did. I know. We're going to uh, – we'll talk about that in the VIP episode. Uh, I will save you from the masses on this one. We'll have a smaller right. audience discussion on that. I appreciate that. Um, Thanks for hanging out today, Chris. Yeah, it was great talking to you, Katie. I appreciate uh, everything you talked yes. about today. And thank you to the stylists and hairdressers and beard trimmers who weighed in today. I appreciate that. We appreciate that. All right. Have a good one.